Welcome to Newsmax Daily for Thursday, March 30th, 2023. Opening day for MLB. All 30 teams in action today, beginning with the Atlanta Braves and Washington Nationals, San Francisco Giants taking on the Yankees, and Jacob DeGrom making his debut for the Texas Rangers, who play at home against the defending National League champion, Philadelphia Phillies. Today is also World Doctors' Day, a day that doctors are recognized all around the world for their contributions to communities and individual lives. World Doctors' Day was celebrated in the United States, I should say first celebrated in the United States back in 1933. Among a few other things on the calendar, it is also National Take a Walk in the Park Day, which I'm sure your doctor would approve of. And kudos to you if you are a doctor. And speaking of doctors, the Vatican says Pope Francis had a peaceful night in the hospital after being admitted with difficulty breathing. That was breaking news yesterday. The Pope was then diagnosed with a respiratory infection, so we certainly wish him well. Pope is ill now, so say an extra prayer for him. President Biden yesterday at the White House, president kicking off the virtual democracy summit with other heads of state by announcing a $690 million commitment to help advance democracy around the world. I believe this is a defining challenge of our age. And today we can say with pride that the democracies of the world are getting stronger, not weaker. Autocracies of the world are getting weaker, not stronger. Sounds like Biden may have a bit of what I had a few days ago, although it made his voice sound better. He also said he's working with Congress to put $6 billion towards the effort over the next few years. $6 billion. That's with a B. Internationally. $200 billion and more coming for Ukraine. And don't forget the vice president is still touring Africa. According to USAID.gov, the U.S. gave $6 billion to Africa in 2022. It's like the Oprah show. You get billions, you get billions, you get $6 billion. And don't get me wrong, these are all worthy causes. But can we take care of America first? I don't want to hear ever. I don't ever want to hear about Medicare, the VA, or Social Security running out of money when we are giving hundreds of billions, if not trillions, of dollars away. Meanwhile, the big story, the Senate voting 68 to 23 to end the COVID-19 emergency declaration. You may not have even known it was still in place. It was put in place back in 2020. The GOP-led bill now on its way to President Biden's desk. We get more from Sean Spicer. All eyes are on President Biden to see if he is going to ultimately veto the bill. Now, you may remember he marked May 11th as the day that he's going to end the COVID emergency, even though he officially kind of declared the pandemic over seven months ago. You remember that? Just to remind you what he said in September of last year. The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, It's but the pandemic is over. Ah, the pandemic is over. That was September last year. He said it very clearly there on CBS. No hiding from that there on 60 Minutes. You can take it to the bank. But the White House has said an ending the declaration before May, which he said again ended in September, would create wide-ranging chaos and uncertainty throughout the health care system. So ending it now would create chaos, but somehow in five weeks, everything would still fall in line. Interesting, right? It's amazing. By the way, he didn't seem to have a problem with it back in September. They didn't seem to think through any of these things, and I'm sure he didn't go through that 
any kind of prep before that 60 Minutes interview, because that's what you do when you're president. So the idea that they didn't prep him and talk about the consequences of saying something as ill-advised as that, well, that seems stupid. Meanwhile, a New York Times op-ed does rip into Dr. Fauci's approach to information during the pandemic and his stifling of the lab leak theory. Remember, he keeps saying, couldn't have happened. The piece in the New York Times, the New York Times, folks, says that Fauci, quote, could have said that the laboratories in Wuhan have indeed been studying bat viruses, could have acknowledged accidental leaks are a known lab hazard, and couldn't yet be ruled out, and that he pushed the animal crossover theory publicly, even though he privately wasn't sure. That's them. That's the New York Times saying it. Man, that's like your brother saying it, your father saying it. I mean, this is like family in Fauci world, in the Dem world, in the left world. Even the left legacy media turning on him, that's a big deal. But no one seems to have an idea of how to hold Fauci accountable, right? Former White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer, host of Spicer and Company. I mentioned last week that this month is the 20th anniversary of the war in Iraq. Senate also voted Wednesday to repeal a pair of authorization for use of military force with bipartisan support. It included the one that gave the green light for the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2023. And today, the U.S. Army is confirming several casualties after two military helicopters crashed last night in Kentucky. Officials at Fort Campbell said two Black Hawk helicopters crashed in Trigg County near the Tennessee border during a routine training mission. We'll get updates on that today for sure. And in the wake of the Nashville school shooting, Democrats continued to call out Republicans on gun control. What are they doing about it? Nothing. They don't have the courage. They're cowards. That's Representative Jamal Bowman, a Democrat of New York and a former middle school principal who got into it with some Republicans in the chamber hallway yesterday. Nebraska Republican Senator Pete Ricketts joined Newsmax to discuss gun control. New to the Senate, sir. Uh, welcome back to the Chris Alcedo Show. Some of your Republican colleagues have colluded with leftists in the Democrat Party to take away our Second Amendment rights and expand government power by placing restrictions on lawful gun ownership on the promise that we'd be safer. We're not. Wouldn't it be more prudent in your mind, sir, not to mention be more American, to expand freedom rather than limit it? And as the data shows, more guns, less crime, right, Senator? Well, thank you very much, Chris. And first of all, our thoughts and prayers go to the victims at Covenant Church and school and their families. This is terrible tragedy. I can't imagine how horrible this might be. And as horrible as this is, we know from the past that trying to put gun laws and restrictions in place is not the answer. The people who perpetrate these, and we have to do the investigation here, typically have mental health issues. And this is something that typically, again, uh, we'll have to investigate this one, but people know what's going on, or at least they see some of the warning signs. And so part of what we have to do is really educate people about when they see the warning signs that somebody might be doing a, an act like this, that we get to those people, provide them the mental health care. You can look at all sorts of cities that have very restrictive gun laws, and it doesn't do anything for reducing their crime. In fact, you look at Chicago or even Washington, D.C. here, they have, mm -hmm. you know, strict gun laws. In Washington, D.C., we've had 200 homicides uh, for both the last two years. So it, it, restrictive gun laws don't answer the question. The real issue is the people who are doing this, they have mental health issues. We have to get them before they reach the stage where they're going to commit something like this. And that's the real solution. And, and in fact, I talked a little bit about this 
in my maiden speech I just made on the floor of the Senate that, you know, the chief role of government is to keep us safe. And by going down the path of more gun restrictions, that's not keeping us safe. We've seen that. We've got to figure right. out other right. like we, how to people before they act. Yeah, Senator, we've tried it uh, the Democrats' way and, and John Cornyn's way and Mitch McConnell's way, uh, stealing Americans' rights for, for decades. Why don't we try something different? That's Chris Salcedo, host of The Chris Salcedo Show, checking weak Republicans, Democrats, and woke corporations weekdays at 4 o'clock Eastern, right before Spicer and Company. Meanwhile, the incredible response to the school shooting by Nashville police has put a spotlight back on the sad and pathetic response of the Uvalde, Texas Police Department in last year's school shooting, where 19 children and two teachers were killed. Former New York City Police Commissioner Bernie Kerrick spoke with John Bachman now. This was extremely well done, number one. Number two, this is a demonstration for every department in this country. Mm -hmm. You should be training every police officer that goes through your academy, academy, whether it's initial training or in-service training. This is the type of response they should have. Um, in situations like this. You think about this in contrast with what we saw in Uvalde, Texas, and what happened in Parkland, Florida, where the officers and uh, uh, sheriff's deputies in case of Parkland refused to go inside when the, when the gunfire was taking place. I also want to play a soundbite here from the National Metro Police Chief, John Drake. Here he is talking about his officer's quick response. I hope that we would never have this situation, that if we ever did, we would not wait we would immediately go in and we would immediately engage the person perpetrating this horrible crime. And, you know, you want to see the police chief out there commending his officers, Bernie. And John, I, I, I have to tell you, this was, like I said, it was extremely well done. It was organized. There was phenomenal communications between the officers. And when they, when they spotted the target, right before they got to the target, Everything went quiet. They were creeping on the target. You know, historically, police departments, you hear a lot of yelling and screaming and yeah. move and this and that. You didn't hear none of that. He, he creeped around the corner, spotted the target, took the target out, and then the guys moved in from there. Extremely well done. That's Bernard Carrick, former New York City Police Commissioner on John Bachman now, noon Eastern on Newsmax. Those two well-trained, brave officers are Rex Engelbrett and Michael Palazzo. If you've seen them, they're both, they both look very young. They're young guys. They are not 20-year veterans of the force, and they cannot be commended enough. They are true heroes. And Alvin Bragg, the New York DA in the Trump, Michael Cohen, Stormy Daniels case, may be having second thoughts. More from Rob Schmidt. All right, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's ridiculously absurd Stormy Daniels Trump case may have just completely collapsed. The Trump grand jury will now reportedly take a month-long, quote, previously planned hiatus. Yeah. It appears Alvin Bragg may be looking to let the headlines perhaps die down before he just releases this grand jury. Kimberly Guilfoyle joins us now to talk more about this. Good to see you, Kim. A, a previously planned month-long hiatus. For some reason, I don't believe that. 
I mean, how bad does that sound? That's the best that they could come up with. Yeah, because yeah. they had no evidence, no facts. This was always a total sham, another witch hunt against President Trump. This was, again, further evidence of Alvin Bragg weaponizing the political system, the judicial system uh, to his own end, trying to persecute a former president of the United States. It's unprecedented in every single way, shape and form. Remember, Rob, you know, Southern District declined to pursue this. FEC declined to pursue this. And oh, the only big outcome involving any of the stuff with Stormy Daniels was Trump won. And he was awarded a judgment of $300,000 that Stormy Daniels had to pay him. So can we just like connect the dots here, people? Like B follows A in the alphabet, it's not that hard. Yeah, this is going nowhere, he has no case, but they shouldn't allow this kind of malicious, abusive, selective prosecution. He should be investigated and Congress is doing just that and using their subpoena power and he's gonna have to answer some questions and provide documents as to the basis of this witch hunt. As he should. I mean, at this point, it's it's clear he's the one that has a lot of questions to answer. Uh, we, we had heard there was a bit of a mutiny in the Manhattan D.A.'s office over this case uh, right. that many had thought inside of the Manhattan D.A.'s office, which you would think is probably a pretty liberal place. Many thought this case was ridiculous. If they are, in fact, proven right, I would have to think Alvin Bragg's reputation is toast. And then you start to wonder what could happen to him. Yeah, well, the uh, Soros-backed communist needs to get out of there and get a pink slip. He has no business being the head DA in New York. He has no regard for public safety or human life. It is a revolving door with horrific crime on the streets. You know, you live there, what's going on in New York. It's reprehensible. And it was once such a beautiful place to live, raise your kids. Everyone's leaving there in droves. You know, it's doing wreaking havoc to the real estate market there, to, uh, you know, communities. People don't feel safe. You've got felonies, downgraded to misdemeanors, violent crimes, murderers and rapists, a revolving door. But this guy wants to chase after Donald Trump. So he should be investigated. He should be disbarred. That's Kimberly Guilfoyle on Rob Schmidt tonight. So the grand jury's on a one-month hiatus. I'm going to guess that if Trump starts gaining more momentum after a few more rallies, that's when you'll start to hear more about that again. And in other news, and this will be big today, Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershevich has been arrested in Russia on suspicion of espionage. The first time a U.S. journalist has been detained by Moscow on suspicions of spying since the Cold War. And people in a tiny Minnesota town about 110 miles west of Minneapolis are being ordered to evacuate after a train derailment there overnight. The sheriff's office said in a release that it was a BNSF train derailed and caught fire near Raymond. Multiple reports say the train was carrying ethanol. Several cars caught on fire, forcing the nearby residents to evacuate their homes as a precaution. And as I mentioned yesterday, President Biden had three scheduled events, the virtual democracy summit, a meeting with the president of Argentina, and then a reception celebrating Greek Independence Day, where he also spoke. Today, nothing. President's daily schedule shows his daily briefing, and that's pretty much it. Corinne Jean-Pierre is scheduled to hold a press conference later today. And a reminder, if you're not already watching Newsmax TV, you can find it on most major cable systems like Spectrum, Verizon, AT&T, U-verse, DirecTV, and others, as well as platforms like Amazon, Apple, Roku, 
Zumo, and Pluto. Make sure you have the Newsmax app as well so you can stay informed and watch all of your favorite shows anywhere, anytime. Thank you, as always, for listening to Newsmax Daily. I'm Tony Marino. I'll see you right back here tomorrow. In the meantime, my friend, keep fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.